welcome to We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I will be your host for this evening. And tonight's episode is going to be a work in progress. Um, and the title of the show is going to be called The Great Old Ones and The One Slightly Inexpensive Pachyderm. <laughs> I'm going to fit that in the box. I, mean, uh, I don't I've got know. A sticker on the box that says, <laughs> "As featured on the podcast." And I mean, Ni- that's a sticker that's going to wrap Nigel, around the side. Nigel, you've got to wait until I introduce you. <laughs> oh shit! Sorry. Oh god, no, I swore. <laughs> oh dear. You know what? It's just it, it's fine. You know because this is this is. What guests have you got on today, Richard? No, this is all. A, tell us that. This is all. <laughs> this is all about the. Um, this is all about the old great ones and descending into madness and looking into a dimension beyond our own, into a reality that we've we can't quite grasp as human beings. So it seems absolutely fit that we got that we got Mr. Nigel Kennington on tonight. Um, now you might recognise the second name or the surname because um, Mr. Nigel Kennington is one half of the the um, the rather. Um, likeable kind of board game company called One Free Elephant. Because a little while ago, we had his wife Sarah on, and she was a lot of fun. So we're not saying that you're setting a bar, but we're setting a bar, Nigel. So <laughs> you've done it quite well, because no you've pressure. obviously no you've sw- <laughs> you've managed to swear in the first two minutes. So we're just wondering what else, I mean is it is that what it's going to be is that am I going to have to press the ex- the not clean button on iTunes when I post this episode? Have <laughs> you got a beeper? You should have. A beeper. I should have. A, I should have a beeper. I could introduce yeah. like a, a dice roll. It's fine. People they I mean, can. You've deal. got Scottish people on all the time. <laughs> I'm amazed that we actually get through. You know, we actually get through kind of episodes. In fact, I think the only time that was, I think the only time there was a profanity kind of. Um, a large amount of it was when we had Alice Bell, the now editor of Video Gamer, coming on. She was talking about that <laughs> bloody tortoise. So if they set with, do you know what? We should just set it explicit and just swear away, and it'll be fine. We could have, you know, it could be we're not wizards after dark. No, we're not wizards. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Um, but we'll have to wait until winter time for that because it's bright sunshine outside at the moment. It's it's obviously the great big ball in the sky has decided to descend on us and give us an extra three hours of. Uh, Daylight, which is absolutely fantastic for everybody going out and trying to get your garden done and get that extra thing off your list and therefore earn a brownie point. But it's not that brilliant if you're trying to get your son to go to bed before you're about to record a podcast. Now, this is a long way around. We don't usually do things like this. There is usually structure because this is the f- this is the first time that you've listened to We Are Not Wizards. The reason that we do this no, it's is not listen to Sarah. <laughs> I'm not talking to you directly. I'm talking to them. Oh, for goodness' sake! If this is oh, the God, first, I'm this. <laughs> if you if this is the first time that you've listened to the show, hello. Don't listen to him. He's not usually on. It's usually just me. He's a guest. His name his name's Nigel Kennington. He's here to talk about his game. But we might end up just you know I don't know. It might be another Frank West where we spend an hour talking nonsense and then get him back on again to talk about his game because we forgot to talk about it the first time round. The reason that we do this is because we think there's quite simply not enough podcasts about board games. <clears throat> and the second reason that we did this is because um, I met Nigel. This is a first because I've actually, normally it works the other way around. <laughs> that you kind of have somebody on the podcast and you bump into them later on and you kind of look at each other and go, all right, that's you. And But I had the pleasure of uh, meeting Nigel at tabletop day event at Dwarf um, where I also met if you've been on our Twitter I also met um, Mark McKinnon um, from Wreck and Ruin Frame um, I met the fabulous fantastic Kevin Young um, I also met uh, Justin who is going to be bringing Elements and Gladiatores to the table which created a little bit of a buzz. I also sat down with my son and we played through Awesome. I got my hands actually on the game and it was damn good fun and then I also met Nigel and that's when me and Nigel had a conversation and decided we were going to have a chat because he has this wonderful kind of um, this wonderful kind of old gods Cthulhu type game coming to Kickstarter called Carcosa 
that is the biggest introduction ever, Nigel. So cool. <laughs> so how are you anyway? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> um, one of the things that we like to do, we, like, apart from doing big M's, which we'll probably end up getting cut out, M M M M minstrels. Um, one of the things that we like to do in the show is when we have a guest on, we don't just dive into what they're here to talk about. We like to find out a little bit more about how they got into the hobby in general. So we take a little look back at the past, we stare at the portal to the netherworld of the present, <laughs> and then we scryer to find out what's happening in the future. So, um, obviously when we spoke to Sarah, and I'm not going to keep referring back <laughs> That back to that episode, but she mentioned, you know, obviously you you're you're both very active, kind of um, kind of involved in the hobby. So, when yeah. was it you kind of first picked up the cardboard, sat and played some tabletop, you know, riffled through some cards? See, it was it was obviously years ago when I was a kid, um, and um, it seems to be that this is not as uncommon as I thought because I've been reading like discussions about this online as. Um, played a lot as a kid and then as a young adult and a teenager and that sort of stuff and into my sort of late teens and then just kind of fell away um for about eight ten years and then we just picked it up again not recently but Mm -hmm. you know we just started getting back into it kind of heavily and you know caught the bug and now we have a like wall of board games again (laughs) it's fantastic yeah, it's like having a wall of old um, VHS tapes. That was yeah. back in the yeah. day where you, you know <laughs> where you had to have proper kind of box art on things, and they don't just you didn't just stream stuff anymore. You know, like you do, like you do nowadays. You actually had a proper cassette, and you could have an actual wall of VHS tapes. And it's nice to see that people are now getting walls of kind of yeah. board games. Do you remember the first kind of? board game that you played when you got back into it again what kind of got you back into the hobby See, I was looking at the wall like half an hour ago thinking he's going to ask me that <laughs> and I, I can't remember <laughs> um, it might have been Ticket to Ride right, or something like that mm-hmm. yeah it was definitely one of that smaller sort of gateway sort of game mm-hmm. um, I, yeah but I, I honestly cannot remember which, which, which the oldest one would be is it was it a joint? Might have been pandemic or something like that. Was it yeah. a joint decision, or was it something that was brought about by other people that you knew starting to get into the hobby, or did you just say, "You know what, that looks interesting. Let's kind of jump back into it and give it a shot." Was there anything that kind of got no? You I back mean, into we felt we kind of fell away from it a bit. Hmm. Um, we have a lot of we have a lot of uh, sort of geeky friends yeah. um, out there, and we still do uh, things like role playing and. Uh, in live role playing as well, mm-hmm. so like D and D and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it's always been around us, but um, we had we had kids basically younger than most of our friends did, probably. So obviously that that cuts into your time. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was harder to keep up with that. It's harder to go to like commit to like a weekly game of something like D and D and that sort of stuff. No, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you go through a spell where you're basically just dealing with the kids until the kids get old enough to play and then you start, you know, corrupting them. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, I mean there's a guy at the there's a guy at the um at Dwarf who he um he was coming into the club with his wife, um, right up until about I think it was maybe even a couple of weeks before their first one was born. And then they came along to the club I think about maybe for three five or six times after that on a Friday night because I think they were getting out and then they just they just disappeared I never seen them until they came back last week and they're back in and this time they've got they've Mm. got another pram and they've got and it's like hang on didn't the last time you came in kind of like you know when you came in you had a you already had a little one and he says oh yeah she's two and a half I was like, "What?" <laughs> he says, "Yeah, we went away. We just decided just to have a dark kid, <laughs> you know." But that kind of thing, yeah, you can just you can lose entire, as you know, and kind of entire and kind of kind kind of years to it as well. So, yeah, I mean, is there anything that you've kind of you can put down as a kind of like your favourites, your kind of go to games that you really, really just love and go back to again and again? 
Oh, definitely. I mean, I think uh, one of my favourites uh, would probably be Lords of Vegas. Okay. I really like that game. Okay. Um, I like dice games. I like rolling dice. So things like Castle Dice uh-huh. and um, uh, that sort of game is really good. I'm real fan of uh, Above and Below because it kind of gives a little bit of story uh-huh. element to it. I really like games where... I've posted about this on forums and stuff like this. <laughs> I like games where you have a lovely time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I like games where you get lost in what you're doing and you don't really care whether or not you're winning. Yeah. So you, like suburbia is a good example. Yeah. Mm. You make a little town in suburbia. You're placing your little towers and you think, man, we guys are gonna live here. Oh, and but that's next to the landfill. That's not good. So let's put them <laughs> over here in the business district. And you get caught up with that, and then you think suddenly. Oh, victory conditions. I'm supposed to be trying to win this. <laughs> I like that sort of game. See, that's what's that's what Colin is very good at. Because I'll play a game and I'm you know, I'm a bear of very small brain. So I'll play a game trying to understand the rules. While Colin will look for the bonus cards and the tiles and stuff like that's gonna kinda win him points. So he's one of these guys that you know, he came very, he kind of, when he won Scythe, it's because he, he clicked it and went, oh, that's what you do, you do this, this and this. And when he won at Viticulture, he already had, he was prepared to play that kind of card once he built everything up to put in that last wine order and kind of get him 50 trillion points. Whereas me, I'm kind of looking at things and going, "Does that? Is that a grape? Is that a grape? What about this? What's this? Does this look like a windmill, or could that be a trellis? I don't know, kind of thing. So that's kind of how it, <laughs> it kind of works. Do you get into when you're talking dice? I mean, are you are you ever been a kind of like a dice masters kind of person? Have you ever kind of fallen down that rabbit hole at all? No, no, no that's the that's the collectible yes. sort of expansiony packy thing. Yes. No, I mean, um, our our youngest really likes um, quarriers. Yes. So I play that with him. Yes. Um, just for fun. But I like I like uh, I think it's dice placement is what we're talking about. So it is things like um, Alien Frontiers uh-huh. and uh, what was the other one I said? Uh, Suburbia. Lords of Vegas is Lords a bit of, of that. Yeah. As well. Yeah. And yeah. oh yeah, the uh, Castle dice as well. Yes. Okay. Yeah. When you when you, you roll a bunch of dice and then you decide what to do with them. Mm-hmm afterwards yeah because i like rolling the dice but then you can get games where rolling dice is just rolling dice and it just becomes too random at that point have um, you seen steampunk rally oh i've seen adverts for it but i don't know anything about it i think you would abs i have steampunk rally and it is basically you're building up um you're building up a machine <clears throat> you're building up you're trying to win a race um and you essentially you have you gain dice you basically you pick cards you trade in cards for dice and then what you do is or you trade in you get cards which are machine parts and you build up like a little kind of racing machine using the cards in certain mm-hmm. certain order and on each of the cards there'll be like um, a yellow symbol for say lightning or a red symbol for to use fire or a blue symbol I think it's for steam and then what you do is on your turn you'll prepare, you'll basically, um, each of the cards says if you roll, um, if for every kind of two you have, if the, for every number two dice pips you have, you can move two spaces or whatever, basically. So what you do is you roll your dice, and then you place all the dice on the different cards, and then you almost build up yourself like a little infinity machine, and it allows you to yeah, develop further, like... and it, does, it allows you to develop... Um, put on armour, it allows you to move spaces, you get special kind of weapons, and you basically you play as inventors. So you play as like Marie Curie, you play as like say Nikola Tesla, you play as uh, the CEO Thomas Edison, you've got Marie Curie there, um, I, I probably said Marie Curie twice. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, and so it's really, really, I don't know, I think you should, it might be something that you might like. Yeah, it does sound like the sort of thing I would be really into. You know? Yeah. If you make your way to Dwarf one night, if you can... Yeah, I, yeah, that's where I saw it, actually, because I saw it, um, it was in the the city up bit, and I thought, hmm, pretty. Yes. Uh, but I didn't know anything about it, so well, I didn't, yeah, Nick, we were busy, obviously, doing the stuff. Yeah, well, uh, once the campaign's all um, finished and stuff like that, if you make your way along to Dwarf, and if you let me know, we shall have a game. 
Nice. There you go, and it's now in audio and it's recorded. So unless <laughs> I edit this bit out, <laughs> it's gonna. <laughs> Is there anything that's caught your eye at the moment that you've kind of seen and went, you know, apart from me now laying kind of steampunk rally at your door, is there anything else you've kind of seen recently that you've thought, actually, that would look quite nice. I've got a space in the shelf. I'm trying to avoid that at the moment because um, it reaches a point where you've got like five or six games on the shelf that you've never played. um, And... I'm I'm trying really hard not to look at games. <laughs> um, I did. I, I was very tempted. Uh, still am actually because it's got like a day to go on the brass um, special edition. Yeah, I've seen um, that, and then I thought, hmm, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I need maybe that in my life. I probably do. Mm-hmm. I probably would, but then I've, I've only played it once. A friend of ours has got it. He's got the original edition. Yeah, and played it. Um, what was it like? And it was really good fun, but it does have that kind of 80s darts crap, basically. That's that's what it is. And the art in this re-edition is gorgeous. It's absolutely stunning. Yeah, I've seen they've completely kind of done up the art and they've made it look yeah. kind of fantastic. I was playing a game recently um, called Ent Decker. Have you played that? No! Why don't you tell the it, lovely people what Ent Decker is all about now? Ent Decker is a game by the guy that did Catan. <gasps> um, Which means I hate him already. But <laughs> yeah, because I don't, I don't like Catan much either. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not as aggro about it as some people no, online do. No. But I mean, given the choice, I'd rather play pretty much everything else I own. But <laughs> I thought we um, as a friend of ours again, he he has it, and it's like a Ent Decker. It's like a it's a tile laying game mm-hmm. um, where you're making little islands and little trade routes and you're exploring. It's a sort of exploring and revealing the map sort of game. Uh-huh. Um, and it was just, it was one of these, I had a lovely time. Um, I didn't win. It was close. But um, I explored some islands. I uh, found some, I uh, explored some native huts and uh, found a banana. And, you, you know, that was pretty cool. <laughs> I did. Just <laughs> the bananas up, were key. They just lift up a pile of cars. Oh, look, there's a banana. Well, it's got this mechanism. Because what you do is um, you go to islands, right? Yeah. Um, and when you land at an island, you can deploy one of your little scouts. Hmm. And when you complete the island, your scouts go to like a sideboard where they've got little huts. Um, so you try and get closest to the hut and get the most of your scouts on a specific hut. Okay. Because the hut has in it a little token with like a uh, like a banana or a cocoa bean or something like that and they're all worth different numbers of points and only certain people know what's in it so you got to watch each other and say well he's putting things over there so what's going on there that must be a valuable hut with a banana in it um yeah so you got that sort of mechanic i'm going looking on, i'm looking at this um, as well now i have it's got like a little mayflower type ship and there's a couple of different things i'm going into the images this is really really good podcast material Yep, really, man really looks good. up thing on the internet. Looks up, man <laughs> looks up pictures on the internet while getting people to kind of look on. Wow, this looks yeah. really, really nice. Yeah, it is a lovely game, but it's got that sort of late 80s... I see that. Late quality 80s. Thing. I mean, the, 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 pic, the actual tiles are pretty good, but um, they let themselves down on the, the, the... Like, your little scouts are just little circle things. Yeah, little kind of um, cylinders. And a house and... Yeah. and I, I was like looking at it thinking, I want to upgrade every single component in this game. <laughs> just to make it so pretty. And I know how um, much it's going to be and I know where I can get it done. I could probably get yeah. it like produced it kind of like... Um, <laughs> produced here. I can already plan it. It's got like a huge wiggly worm serpent on it, which I'm guessing is kind of like the points. Yeah, that's a scoring track. Yeah. And then you've got various kind of little islands which look kind of cute. And yes, you've got your little huts at the side and everybody's going... Why are you describing a picture on <laughs> the flipping podcast, Richard? What is wrong with you? Well, we can Google you know, this ourselves. <laughs> I just, you know, sometimes you just got. It's all about learning and finding out something new. So I'm learning, therefore I am growing as a person. Yeah. So you just. So gonna, Decker had a lovely time, which is fantastic. I yeah. myself have. Um, <clears throat> I've just been touching a little bit of the Dark Souls board game because it came Ooh. through and. Um, um, it is glorious. That is what I will say. I had my. We're gonna do. Uh, we are gonna try. We're planning on trying to put a show together, which has got some p- 
people who podcast but play the video game oh, and right. they have got the board game so it's trying to get their reaction um, because I've read reviews about it and I've kind of went hmm, you've played this game about twice before you wrote about it <laughs> you can re- <laughs> kind of thing but yeah, I've been playing that, I've been loving it. You know that what lot. put me off that slightly is, you know the cover of it? Yeah. It looks like the guy in his big scary armour is just leaning in from off camera and giving you the thumbs up. <laughs> and it's just... He th- does. Not quite, I don't think that's what they were going for. <laughs> he's meant to be kind of like, um, he's meant to be, at, he's actually the character from the third game, which is what they got the cover, the cover from. Um... So he's like meant to be partially kind of smouldering, not in a kind of a. I'm not talk, I'm not talking about a kind of a, um, a Magnum PI looking at the camera smouldering type thing. Tom Selleck, um, you know, smouldering at the camera kind of thing in his Hawaiian mm. shirt, um, which somebody kind of as a quick aside, somebody kind of messed up my life the other day by claiming that. Chip and Dale, the rescue rangers, one of them was being Magnum P.I. and the other one was being Indiana Jones. Yeah, Look yeah. at the pictures if you don't believe me. I just yeah, like... No, no. My, yeah, like, well, we know that. that. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of blew my mind at the time. I'm like, ah, oh, damn. But anyway, this character from Dark Souls 3, what a tangent that was. Um, he's like standing there smouldering and you're expecting him just to turn around and have a big cheesy grin and grin. <laughs> Two thumbs up to the camera and go, yup, everything is fantastic. Fantastic, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> I'm on a box now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I, we've played it. I've played it a couple of times now. It's it's one of these games that is actually designed to play a really, really as a single player. And there's a lot of games that I've played single player, which I kind of walk away going, "Hmm, that could have been that's okay, but it's could have been better." But this has been designed to kind of kind of play it. So it's all about. Um, so what is it then? What's I mean, because Dark Souls is a full-on RPG smack things until they smack you back. This is a full-on RPG smack things until they smack you back kind of game. Mm. It's kind of... it's. Do you know what? They could have done the easy route, which is you go up against monsters and you you go onto the grid and you go two spaces away and you hit people and that's kind of it. But they've really, really tried to, to, to do something about it and they've tried to do something different. And I applaud I applaud them for what they have achieved. Um, and I'll go into, probably go into greater detail. <laughs> what are we here to talk about tonight? Carcosa. 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 And we should really be mm. putting on almost like Lovecraftian voices, shouldn't we? Do you know what I mean? Yes. Be, you yeah. are about to take a journey into another dimension. <laughs> a place beyond space and time where the old ones have gathered for centuries and are here to challenge our very perceptions and lead us down the path of our own insanity. That's actually fairly good. I mean, I mean, normally you sound like Mister Boom, but I mean, that was genuinely <laughs> creepy. <laughs> That's that is a Scottish did. reference your left listeners aren't going to get. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? What's that? A talk? What? Yeah, just alien, just alienated um, all ten of our fifty listeners. <laughs> um. Carcosa, as as we said, is um, it is based around the idea of the old great ones and and Lovecraft. Yeah. Do you want to explain a little bit more about what sure. it is? All I need about? to pull you up first because otherwise I'll get I'll what? get I'll get into trouble. What? Because yeah. there's no gods. Okay. This is old school. This is old school. Um, it's honestly I've I've put up I got into trouble from people on the on the forums and stuff like this saying. Um, it's not Lovecraftian, really, is it? I'm like, well, yeah, no, but I mean, you want to... That's the audience of people that you want to go for, because um, the King in Yellow, etc., are are a sort of a tangent, yeah? The books were written by Ambrose Bierce and uh, Robert Chambers, hmm. um, who are the ones that the, the source material that we're coming from here, because um, if you know the lore, um, the the King in Yellow and stuff like that is a little bit different from um, the sort of mainstream sort of uh, Lovecraftian lore because um, 
there's not really that much in the big tentacle monsters leaping out of the sea at you sort of thing. Are you um, saying are you saying I now have to go back and cut out my rather magnificent voiceover thing? Nah, leave it in, it'll be fine. Are you sure? Yeah. I can take it, I mean I can take it. I mean it's your night after all. I don't want to be coming across I guess coming across. No, it's good. I mean we've we've got it we've put it all over there. If they guess it now, yeah. they won't guess it. You know, it's it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we 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 talk about Lovecraftian cults and all that sort of stuff. Oh, that's so good, I mean, good. that's it. It is part of the mythos. Yeah, but it's like a corner of the mythos. Okay, is what you think about um, sort of thing. So in our game, um, it's unlike um, other Lovecraftian games that we shall not mention. Um, it's not a case of oh look, there's a tentacle. Here's a shotgun. Go blast it. Yeah, um, our game. We are the cultists. We oh, are right. leading the cult. Our cultists go mad at trying to gain power and summon Carcosa. And the idea is in our game that we are going to create the city of Carcosa um, by laying tiles and uh, and kind of constructing the landscape of, of of Carcosa. And the the more of the landscape that you complete, the more power that you generate. Um, and then at the end, if you run out of tiles, basically. Um, the person with the most power will win. Or, if you get a certain amount of power before the end of the game, mm-hmm. then um, you do a final ritual and summon the king himself. Oh, um, right. And the idea is, well, that's the end of the game. Did you really win? Because you summoned, you know, the king in yellow. <laughs> it's not going to go well from there. <laughs> there are no winners. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, we actually... Because we originally... we um, One of the things we did was we sent the original idea off to... Um, um, Rado, and he was quite keen initially. Yeah, <laughs> and he says, "Oh, that sounds kind of fun." And then we did like a sell sheet in it that kind of explained the lore as well, and it, it goes on about the fact that like um, um, you get to the end and you summon the king, and um, but is that really winning, <laughs> sort of thing? <laughs> um, and we got an email back saying, "Actually, this might be a bit dark for Jen. I think I'm going to skip it." <laughs> <laughs> I'm tempted to put that in a review s- section, actually, on the, the Kickstarter. That is, you should actually just <laughs> too dark for yeah. Gen. You should actually <laughs> email them back and say, "Listen, can I um, can I quote that?" Um, because they do say yeah. in a Kickstarter campaign, if you've got to have at least four or five quotes and at least two or three video reviews, so <laughs> do you mind? <laughs> too dark for Rado. That's amazing. <laughs> it's not even that dark, to be honest. Um, because you, you are managing a little. Uh, 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 no more than like three, four, maybe five mm. meeples will get eaten by horrible tentacled monsters over the course of the game. I mean, that's hardly any. <laughs> it's kind of like a walk in a country park, really. That's like having ice. Cream. It's like having ice cream at Aberdour Beach. I can bet the body count out of Dark Souls will be higher than <laughs> Yes, it is. And the thing with the Dark Souls is that once you complete a level, you've got the opportunity to switch everything reverse it all and kind of basically start the level again so you can go back and kill everybody again so isn't that just delightful how do the mechanics work what would you say what what kind of happens in a normal kind of game type turn uh, in a game turn you'll take a tile mm-hmm. um, and you look at both sides because they might be slightly there's like a sort of ghostly version of the tile okay. that everyone can see and then you look at the other side um, and then you add it to the world as a sort of unstable portion of Carcosa itself alright um, okay and it doesn't stabilise it, it doesn't become a permanent fixed until you complete whatever it's on so a ley line or a district um, or one of the ritual sites um, so it stays kind of face down as part of the world until it's it's fixed in place and so you're doing the usual stuff where you're placing your little meeples, uh-huh. your little cultist meeples on the locations to try and control them and that sort of stuff, and it builds up. And then you reach the stage where um, you've completed your thing and you flip them over. So if um, uh, if it's a district, say, and you flip them over, um, you'll score, like, uh, you'll generate power from that yeah, as normal. But if you flip over some of them, there'll be little theatres on them. Oh, right. Um, okay. And if there's theatre on them, then you perform the play, The King in Yellow, and that's how you recruit new cultists by driving oh, their right. audience okay. mad okay. sort of thing. Um, or if it's a ritual site, sometimes you flip it over and it's just a ritual site, so you get a bunch of power. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes you flip it over and it's got a horrible tentacle feaster on it. Um, the feaster from beyond, it's called, um, in the lore. Um, and that'll you generate your power as normal, but then it eats the <laughs> it eats the ritualist that you put on it, and any sacrifices that have been shoved in the water surrounding the ritual site. 
Um, which generates a bunch of power, but then your guy's not just mad, which you'll recover over his time. Yeah. He, he actually gets devoured. Um, so you get a bunch of power, but then you're down, you're down cultists that you need to recruit, um, and you need to recruit from getting districts and that sort of stuff. So, there's, so two, like a there's two portions to the game. Then there's the actual main area with the tiles, and is there a part? There's a part that's off, which is the kind of the ritual area. Is that no, it? no? It's it's all done on the tiles all because right. the tiles. The tiles have little stone circles on them. Oh, um, right, okay. Uh, but on one side you can just see the stone circle, but on the other side it'll either be just a stone circle or it'll be a stone circle with a horrible tentacled monster on it. Oh, my goodness. Um, so it all kind of happens in world and you get the landscape developing on, uh, as you go along, sort of thing. How long, I mean, how many people can play it? Um Four. Four. Four maximum. I think the sweet spot, as it were, I yeah. think is three from our playtesting so far. Oh. Uh, but it does two, and it's quite a uh, quite a slow paced kind of strategic game for two, um, where you're battling away against each other. Uh, four is a little more chaotic than I like, but I mean, if you've got a sort of uh, if you've got a group that likes more sort of party style games, they'll get more out of that one because um, there's horrible tentacle monsters and uh, things popping up all over the place and, uh, and that sort of stuff and people getting in each other's way which is kind of cool <laughs> as well because you, you get, you get, um, the other thing we've got is we've got um, the, the ley lines you can generate power from um, and you can also empower ritual stones and they let you cast spells later on in the game All right, okay. they let you do things like send out an extra guy yeah. or cure a whole bunch of guys or um stun someone or um, yeah, take a tile from... Because one of the problems with tile lane games is you, you spend ages waiting for the right one to kind of pop up. Yes. Sort of thing. Um, but one of our spells lets you search through the stack and reorder it. And a more powerful spell lets you search through a stack and take a tile and hold it in front of you for later on. Um, so you can... If there's something you really, really need, you can, you can get access to it. So... Um, that way. Where did the idea for it come? I mean, how did you? Ah. This is this is. <laughs> I was it. actually I was I was researching a different game because um, I was building up another game, uh-huh. uh, which is which is going to be one of our later games, is a, a larger project. But I was looking up and I was looking up right. This game needs sort of things from the world, yeah. And, it, mm. and I was doing science stuff and I was doing sort of knowledge stuff. And I thought, well, arcane stuff would be another stuff. So I started looking up like old world arcane stuff, and that started me researching stuff from the Cthulhu mythos and that sort of thing and I ended up on this page that was talking about Carcosa. I mean literally the Wikipedia page for Carcosa like the the first paragraph says um, it's generally thought that Carcosa was named after Carcassonne um, the city they just changed the name of it and I was reading that thinking why is that not a game already? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like what, what, what we're ma- making there is why has nobody made evil Carcassonne yet? <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm doing it. <laughs> I mean, and let's let's um, there because... yeah. I mean, let's talk about that because there is, you know, there's going to be people are going to say there's a couple of similarities here. Yeah, but, I mean, there is. I mean, did was your view at the beginning to say right? Okay, there's base, there's kind of base mechanics there, but I want to do something different with the different IP I want to do something with all the the kind of the additional mechanics I'm going to be kind of adding in um, yeah yeah see the thing is I'm from a video game background yeah uh, and video games are all uh, well not all but vast majority of them are iterative yeah design choices yeah you you build you've basically got dialogue with the games that came before you in the same genre yeah you build on them you add features you create new experiences out of that and i don't see any reason why games uh, board games would be any different yeah um carcosa is going to have a different audience from the other tile line games that come before it. It's, it um, it's got a different theme. I mean, Rado thinks it's too dark for Jen, so I mean, <laughs> <Exactly>. lost art. <laughs> you need to so, be emailing um, him tonight about using that for a quote. Yeah, well, I've quoted him like three times. <laughs> <laughs> so, I might just do it. I, I, I do kind of like it's, um, uh, yeah, just kind of do things and then Sarah has to go apologise for them later on. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> That's uh, you're welcome. Welcome to my world. But, Except sorry. I've got the ability to like go back through and edit out 
all the bits. <laughs> it's like you know the number of times like I'll say, and and we have a and now we have a delightful episode here with uh, Nigel Kennington, and I'll put that up on Twitter, and you'll be like, I'll retweet it once, mate, and that's be all you're getting after the way you've spoken, <laughs> because everybody will listen to the show and go. What a delightful chap! That was really funny. It sounded like they had an extra super good time, but you're missing out like the kind of the half an hour which we had a big argument right in the middle about stuff. <laughs> about stuff. And they're like, "I'm not supporting you. Can't even believe they came on in the first place." <laughs> you know, um, just one of these. You know, as I mean, we've kind of I've always got to the point where, um, kind of hedging my bets with people like Jamie Stegmeier and things like that, so I've got to watch what, kind of got to watch what I'm saying, but you know, it's, it's fine. Always surge forward and ask for forgiveness later. I mean, what is the worst that could happen? <laughs> um, how long does it take, how long do you, how long does it take to play? Um, it takes about 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. Um, but it depends on how fast you're playing. But some people are very thoughtful and slow about these sort of things. Mm. Maybe take a bit longer with a large group. That's what we're interested in just now in the sort of final stages of testing. Mm. Is we've recently um, done a different board, so or, or like a um, there's a scoring track that winds round the 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 tile piles, um, as it were. Oh, I didn't mention that actually. Yeah, because um, we don't have like in. Um, we don't have a single stack of of tiles that you're drawing from. You've got like you've got a central board. It's the ritual site where the final ritual happens, sort of thing, um, and it's got six piles on it for a four player. I game. think that was the thing I was talking about when I was talking about the little side off thing. Ah, oh, right, yeah. Because um, it's got. Is that not got the little extra kind of guys on it as well? Have you not got the kind of yes, little extra yeah, moves? yeah? Because that controls which tile. Because you don't want. You don't want the, the uh, same stack to be drawn from all the oh, way down. Oh, thank goodness, because yeah. I thought for a second I was kind of like completely misremembering the game, and I was thinking I feel <laughs> like a right proper numpty kind of thing. It's going, no, you remember the thing off the side? There's no thing yeah. off of the side. What are you but talking about? But all that is is that's just the that's just where you that's the score track yeah. and where you pick your tiles from. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's just early in playtesting. We're like, okay, well, we've got multiple stacks of tiles, mm-hmm. and we've got this landscape being built, so. What happened if the landscape hits these six tiles? It's gonna be a pain. So we did, basically did a little mat so you can just move the whole thing out of the way of your your carcosa that's being built. Yeah, well that's the way you would do it. That's it actually the, works really well. But the point was, yes, um, got the score track going around the edge. Yeah, and we started off with it was seventy. Yeah, um, to get round to the final ritual sort of thing. But we've we've just added in. Um, a second side to the to the mat, so on the other side, uh, the the scoring track only goes around to fifty. Oh, um, okay. Because the playtesting came through, and we're like, it was coming in long, yeah. Particularly in a uh, in a f- uh, four player game, yeah. Um, it was running like an hour and a half tops, yeah. Um, and people were not getting to the end because we want it to be a kind of race, yeah? Because you've got the two victory conditions. You've got people racing to do the final ritual um, and you've got people that want to just finish Carcosa. Yeah. Because um, if you do the final ritual, you just win, yeah? Yeah. But if Carcosa is summoned, then you do a final scoring thing and then the people with the more most influence in the ah, world right. are the ones that are going to win. Right, okay. So we want to have that nice tense race going on. Yeah. So people are working on their final ritual but the end of the stacks are coming up and you get that sort of nice sort of tension build towards the end. Um, and it encourages and different types of that, play as well, but, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. We've, we've discovered that it depends on the experience of the players as well. Uh-huh. So um, as you get better you start to get to the final ritual faster because it does play differently. This is getting back to the is it different enough sort of thing. It does play different from um, other tile lane games. So if you come with the same strategy set that you've got from that one, you're not going to score as well. Um, You have to learn a new strategy for this game. Um, And we've kind of got it down pat. So 70 was kind of fine for us. But then when we're going to these shows and this sort of stuff and uh, Sarah's coming over to me and saying... Nobody's nobody's getting to the final ritual, and we're going. But but we always get to the final yeah. ritual. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's like oh, okay, right. Well, so we've got two sides to this thing now, and we're just going through final testing as well to say, right. Well, is this the right numbers? Fifty and seventy seems good, but 
more testing is always good. So one of the things we're doing is we're sending out review copies now, um, and we're, we're sending a little note with the review copy saying, um, if you don't mind, please send us back a little information about what the final scores were when you played. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I mean that's important because there is. I mean, there's no point in you setting it at, say, like, 50, and then you find out, well, most people get to, like, 35 before they... Yeah, exactly. You know, before they're, you know, before they're calling it a day, because then you're yeah. missing out on one of the big, I guess, one of the big kind of payoffs of the of the game. Yeah. And it's tough to get folk to do blind testing as well. You get a very yeah. different experience, because you want folk to play it while you're there, mm-hmm. but then if you're playing with them they will notice what you're doing and respond to that. So yeah. they basically learn your tactics from you. So you, if if you've got four people that have never played it before, they're going to have a different play experience and you need to get feedback from that. Is it also not difficult to make sure, sure that you're kind of quarterbacking as well? You know, that you're not sitting there and kind of almost kind of semi-taking over the game by kind of leading by kind of Well, you got to remember, it's an adversarial game. It's not a co-op. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't really have the quarterbacking... No, oh, that's problem. Yeah, as yeah, I suppose. Such. I suppose you get people uh, that will maybe copy your copy your tactics. Yes, they've seen you kind of, kind of. But you kind of want floor. that to certain because it's it's an aspect of the game is because you got the hidden information. Then you need to watch what other people are doing. Uh. So if if someone has put down a ritual site and put his little dude on it, yeah, mm-hmm. and then um, he starts suddenly throwing people in the water around it, you're starting to think, why is he why why is he putting sacrifices over there? Mm-hmm. Maybe I should stick a sacrifice in there as well and then I can get in some of the <laughs> get some of the points when my, my uh, poor cultist gets eaten. <laughs> um, so that's the sort of decision you make and you gotta watch each other. If 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 somebody is really defensive about a district, it means it's got several theatres in it. So do you want to try and get in on that theatre? Um so you can get more dudes and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, there is a lot of watching each other and uh, sort of silent strategy going on, <laughs> which is different from the other tiling games that I've played so far anyway. Okay. What was it you did when you were working in video games, Nigel? What was your... I started off as a programmer. Okay. Um, <laughs> but my first sort of performance review um, as a programmer was basically you write bad code slowly. So <laughs> I didn't really want to do programming. I mean, yeah. uh, it, it, it's, I actually teach programming now, but um, I'm not sort of, uh, it's never really been my focus. I always wanted to be a games designer. So I kind of, the good thing about the games industry, particularly back then, um, was it's very easy to move into what you want to be um so you had folk that were were programmers becoming designers you had folk that were artists becoming programmers and programmers becoming artists and all sorts of stuff like that it, the trick it was to get into the games industry and then you could basically just carve out your niche as it were yeah so yeah so i started off as a programmer and then became a designer um for a few years um but the games industry is or was and still is probably is very volatile it's a young man's game and yeah, I wanted to see my children every now and again <laughs> yeah I mean yeah everybody I mean everybody's heard of the old the, the EA wives kind of email that went about about the number of hours they were kind of forcing the employees yeah, I to mean, work it, it's like. not right I mean the worst the worst one we had was um, when we were working on uh, our game and we had the press junket coming in uh-huh. like Wednesday afternoon or something like that yeah. so we came in Monday morning and we left Wednesday evening after the press junket had been, and we slept under our desks and stuff like that. It was hideous. It was the worst, worst thing I've <laughs> ever done. Um, but at the same time, I mean, the, the games industry is a roller coaster. Yeah. Is the thing? Yeah, fantastic highs and fantastic lows. I mean, that same weekend, I, <laughs> our our managing director went home uh, to get some sleep because he was going to do the 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 press junket. Yeah, uh, like the presentation of the game the next day um so he needed to get some rest for that but it's like when he came in on the wednesday morning we're like it, it you can't do this and you can't do that because that'll crash it and that just doesn't work <laughs> and that never worked in the first place and he's invisible and we don't know why and all this sort of stuff so and these like people are all doing... green yeah <laughs> we had a problem at one stage with sheep gravity but we'll talk about that in a second I, that, the point was yeah. i ended up having to do this presentation um and there was like a uh, it was like a Swedish film 
company were there as well, so I was filmed um, oh my at the time. And Sarah actually came in to visit me at lunchtime, and she was talking to me. And I have no recollection of her visit at all, because <laughs> I had no sleep. <laughs> we were just like pure panicking, kind of shut yeah. us down, brain first forward, engage mouth, and just kind of go for it. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's mental. But I mean, it's it's fantastic. See when stuff goes well, or you get away with <laughs> get presenting away with it, it, and nobody notices the bugs. It's uh, it's a fantastic <laughs> thing to do. But they're kind of no. I think for it, was it? I've man. heard the thing. Bugs have been called as unplanned features. <laughs> that's what yes. That's what yeah. I've heard they're called <laughs> sheep gravity. Though I mean, I mean, I mean. Oh God! I've forgotten about the sheep gravity. Sheep gravity. <laughs> we had a thing where the, we put in a flocking algorithm. Okay. Um for the sheep and they're just critters they didn't matter to yeah, the game yeah. uh, but uh, unfortunately it was a little strong the initial thing so all the sheep immediately teleported to the same point in space but they all had different facings so you had this sort of furry bit in the middle and like this abomination of a thousand sheep faces staring out at you in all directions <laughs> like, you turn it on you think no that's not right <laughs> Did you, um, was there an argument about whether or not to keep that kind of thing in? I mean, that should really be... We un- did, this was in the very early days of the internet, and we did start point uh, posting some of them up online, because oh, right. they were hilarious. But this was before people started, this was before indie game scene and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so you didn't see as much of that as... But we are, you allowed, are you hysterical. allowed to say what game that was? That was Braveheart, again. Oh, right. Braveheart, okay. the game. Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine. Where are you going, William? I'm off to pick a fight. <laughs> what the hell's that? It just everything was orange for a while. We had a problem with the texturing as well. So it was like William Wallace pushing like a mile away, yeah. kind of thing of sheep down a hill towards Edward. He's just sitting there going, "What the actual?" F- <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, that would be absolutely brilliant. Uh, you have to point me, you have to, I'm not going to put it in the show notes, but you have to point me in the general direction of any of these pictures if they still exist oh, on the internet, on the inter- <laughs> interweb nets. Kickstarter. Yes. Let's talk about Kickstarter because we have to talk about Kickstarter because it is the the one free elephant in the room. Do you like what I did with that, Mister Kennington? Well played, sir. Well Thank played. you very much. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear, I mean, um, Sarah ran a very successful campaign. Um, she did. I yeah. played Awesome on tabletop day with my son, and my son walked away from that game and said, when can we play that game again? Cool. So he was very... He well, very soon, uh, to, literally today at 9.30 this morning, the ship docked in Felixstowe. Really? So, um, yep. So the game will be uh, on its way to people fairly soon. That's I would fantastic. say an actual thing, but then Sarah will get back to me and go, why did you tell them that? Because, <laughs> um, you know, we were she's planning a nice, sensible we're, one. You were planning on a, a steady, country. staggered release. There's like, ah, oh, be Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the sort We've of We've got to send out the notification emails, I've got to put an update together, I've got to get the graphics, and you went on that wizardy, non-wizardy type <laughs> podcast and told everything that everybody they could expect it next week. Nigel? You will not get it next week, I guarantee that. <laughs> There's kind of a groove in the carpet no on the stairs. Than, uh, one of the exciting things, because this is the sort of stuff that happens when you run a Kickstarter, is the fact that it turned up in Felix, though, was not the port we were expecting it to turn up in either. Uh, it, was only halfway, it was only when it was heading up towards the Suez Canal, because I was looking at it in a ship, uh, on right. a ship thing, yeah. and, it, and, and Sarah goes to me, that's going to Felix, though. Oh my goodness. Oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> so you heard it here first then that sometimes in in the, oh, the path the path of cardboard it's not always on the straight and narrow. Sometimes it takes a canal <laughs> on its journey. <laughs> um but yeah, no, she ran a very, very successful campaign. It was well received. People seem to love the game. Um as I say, me and me and me and my boy have played it, and we had we had a very very fun time, and we were able to pick up the the, the kind of the rules very very quickly. 
and it was it was damn good fun. We will obviously talk about it some more when the mm-hmm. game when we get our copy through and we have a chance to chat through and I get Colin to play it because Colin loves a little bit of a dexterity game and I think he's going to love that side of things. So with you now running the second Kickstarter campaign, has it made you more aware of what to kind of expect going into this or are you still a bit kind of well? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I would not, it, uh, <laughs> I would not have done a board game at all if Sarah hadn't done one first because I mean having been involved in games and mm. all the stuff that goes around it I, I, I think running a kickstart is one of these things that if you if you knew what was involved in it in the first place you you, you wouldn't do it because there's an insane amount of work that goes into these things um, just to get even the basics up it's like I dread to think how much time we've actually spent just editing that I mean, it gets to the stage where I, I sit down at keyboard and my muscle memory tells me I should be typing in www.quickstarter.com to get to the project page to work on the damn thing again. It, it does get to that stage where it just kind of takes over pretty much your entire life. But Sarah set a high bar. I mean, with the, I mean, the kind of the the, the Kickstarter page that was put out there was yeah. of a high quality. I mean, I have. Um, we do get kind of you know we get we do look up on other kickstarters just to see what's always kicking about and because we you know we we like to and we have always kind of supported the uk kickstarter scene so we do have a look at some of the other things that are out there and um there are some which are like oh ouch (laughs) you know and um unfortunately that's still kind of Happens, but Sarah's one was, you know, kind of decent. Did that give you good ideas to then say, well, this is what we kind of need to do with this? It's a different message, though, isn't it? Is I mean, it is kind of be yeah, a darker, yeah. slightly. Yeah, Sarah dark. did really well. It's, 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 Sarah's game is a tough sell on 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 Kickstarter because it's a family game, and the core audience isn't really no there for that i mean they like they they're like the more uh sort of hardcore gamers yeah um and there's a lot of them that have kids and obviously we we, we try to tap into that market but family games tend to do worse on kickstarter and it's not down to the quality of the game it's just down to the there's just not the audience there that are, are seeing it um which is a, so which Sarah's is a, been concentrating hard on doing uh, deals with retailers and all that sort well, of stuff. Well, I'm going to say that was a shame because actually if you got your hands on it and played it, you would have understood... I mean, it's one of these games that... And I'm not just, you know, I'm not just saying this because I met you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I met Sarah as well. And we sat down and we played Orson. But my son was generally like, this is really... He liked, he liked the fact it was really easy to play. Yeah. And it was also good fun. And I like the fact it was easy to play and good fun and I knew I wouldn't have to sit for an hour and a half and go through some rules and then watch a YouTube video and go through some more yeah. rules to try and figure out what was going on, kind of thing. So to that... Yeah, yeah. See, it, yeah, I mean, it is a good game, but it, it's getting it in front of the people that you want to sell it to. It's it's That's the most important thing. Um actually a game success i mean if you look at the number of games that are coming out this year it's well over a thousand now there's if all you look at one of the lists there always seems to be like about 500 projects on the go at any kind of one time and whether they be what? expansions or different rules yeah. or new games or the latest kind of the latest kind of um kind of big box game in terms of when you are going to be um putting carcos out there what's have you got a date Yep, end of the month. Um, Sarah says the thirtieth, so it's the thirtieth. <laughs> You've been instructed on that. Well, that's fair enough. Uh, well, she does all the project management. All stuff, right, okay, that's sort of fine. As a, as, a, as a proper grown up, so. Um, as a proper yeah. grown up. I've got oh, that on the Kickstarter awesome. page as well. Have you? <laughs> if you need to talk to a proper grown up, it's Sarah. <laughs> Don't send any messages to me, and if you do send messages, make sure you put to Sarah in the subject title kind of yeah. thing. Um, yeah, at the moment Sarah keeps getting like technical questions about how the lore works and stuff like that and I know all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it's like she just bounces them off to me and if somebody asks you so are you doing a German version? I'm like go talk to Sarah. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> Is it um, 
do you find that you there's quite a high demand then for you to kind of get the game kind of reviewed and looked at and and stuff like that then considering the well, number of games that are out there on Kickstarter? Yes, yeah. I mean that's the thing that the advantage of us doing um awesome first that um is we've now got contacts with a few reviewers yeah. um and we've seen people review stuff uh, we've seen people review awesome and we, we know what they're like so it's um it's like the, there's people that have done reviews for them and we thought that's fantastic we're definitely going to use him again um or or whatever it is just because we like their style yeah, yeah it doesn't yeah. even necessarily have to be that they're horribly gushy about that sort of thing it's just whether or not they've actually got the game yeah so like with awesome some of the best reviews we've we've had um have been folk that have sat down with their kids and actually filmed them and their kids playing it yeah, and asked yeah. the kid what they thought and that sort of stuff well, that's because cool. that's what it's about that's what the ge- that's who the game is for yeah mm-hmm. um are you are you hoping that people sit down with their kids to play Kirkos? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's been interesting actually. Uh, a few of the trade shows because uh, Sarah, uh, I remember, where was it? Oh, it was at Compulsion, um, like the the Edinburgh Uni sort of um, yeah uh, role playing con yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's two girls and their dad are sitting down to play Carcosa, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Let's let's be evil cultists. And Sarah, you see Sarah in the background going, "Is that appropriate?" <laughs> Oh dear. So it's out on the 30th. Um, yeah. Have you... I mean, is it one of these games that's kind of like got multiple buy levels or have you have you got a price? Nope. Um, again, this... Well, uh, Sarah will... What uh, you're going to get in like, mess. Please remove the following sections <laughs> <laughs> from your book. Okay, well, we'll tell you what. an idiot. We'll leave... But, yeah, the basic plan is nice and simple... There's going to be one copy of the game, right. and there's going to be like a bulk buy six copy of the game, All right. and that's it. Yeah, because I can't be having with the multiple no. levels and add-ons and that. No. Sort of thing. I can see the value from it from a different sort of game. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, and from the the different gameplay experiences and that sort of thing. Mm. But for Carcosa, we want to keep it small and simple and all that sort of stuff. That's that that's basically our thing. Yeah, our things are going to fit in the one box that's the same size and it's going to be tightly packed with stuff for you to do yeah there you go. our games take up half a slot in a calax shelving unit well, that's... so you can get <laughs> other right next to each other i just like to say other shelving units are available terms and conditions on request <laughs> but they're all rubbish buy a calax. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see that i have to say that again remember other shelving units are available <laughs> terms and conditions available on request you can if you keep saying that every time you say they're better than any other shelving unit. I have to say, other shelving units are available because we're not allowed to say but we're advertising. A, but then I might get a free Calax and Na- you know. other shelving units are available. Terms and conditions. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not going to tell us the price, which is fine because we'll get the price up at the appropriate time, yes. and also we will also have the Kickstarter links up there as well. Um, no idea why I went into that kind of lovely Welsh accent. Um, that was Welsh. No. <laughs> if people have oh my goodness if you've reached this far in the show um, bless you child Um, my god you're on a long car journey (laughs) there's no I take it the radio's broken take a break go for a coffee (laughs) do not operate heavy machinery while listening to this episode of We're Not Wizards Um, (laughs) go to TB go to TB it's the best the best lay by roadside thing yeah other road you're not wizards endorses TB over all other roadside other roadside thingies are available terms and conditions on the crest stop doing this Nigel you know what I mean I'm just gonna cut all this stuff out um (laughs) where can you know what the thing with Sarah was a lot more organised I'm just saying I'm not judging but <laughs> if people want to find us, find you us, you on the. Uh, if people want to find you on the internet, pull it together, man. I'm trying to. <laughs> deep breath. If people want to find you on the internet webs, where can they find you, Mister Kennington? Um, we have a web page, which is a bit rubbish, but I made it, so I'm happy with it. There you go. Uh, one free uh, www. But to be honest, we're much more active on our little Facebook 
And we're oh, and is that the you go on Facebook and type in one free elephant and we'll come up. Is it facebook.com forward slash one free elephant? I think it is. And you're on Man the looks Twitter up thing on the internet. Well, I think. And we're on the Twitter. Sarah has a, uh, runs our Twitter. Yes, it is. It's facebook.com slash one free elephant. Uh, Sarah runs our Twittery thing, um, which I think is one free elephant as well. Uh, but you can get to both of those things from our homepage. Um, www.onefreeelephant.co.uk That is fantastic. Um, um, you don't, do you care not to exist on Twitter yourself? No, I don't really get Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Not every, uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's it's fine. They they have to obviously. I've got. I actually I do have a Twitter, but it's mostly work stuff that goes up on. Ah oh, well, well, you know, um, we can leave that. You know, that's fine. Yeah. But what we will do, what done. we will do as normal is we will get. And we'll put these in the show notes so that we have notes <laughs> to show. Um, I need to lie down, Nigel. This is. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've summoned some kind of great spirit that's just, you know, slowly, <laughs> slowly. No, it's been actually, it's been funny. <laughs> it has. It's been good laugh. I do like kind of like right. So again, next week then. I I, I <laughs> would you know I would I would have absolutely no problem with doing that whatsoever. <laughs> um, if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, <clears throat> and I feel like people that do it kind of like put themselves through this to obviously try and make themselves a better person. I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at We Are Not Wizards. You can follow us on Facebook at We Are Not Wizards. Um, you can check out our pictures on Instagram. You can check out our um, previous episodes on YouTube, and new episodes are going to be automatically posted onto YouTube as well. Um, you can go to iTunes, and if you search for We Are Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast or Board Game Podcast, um, Yes, you can do that, and we have been seem to be regularly breaking into the top two hundred of all. Nice. I know I didn't realise there was that many board game podcasts. I thought there was going to be like in the top twenty at least because there's only about fifteen of them. <laughs> but no, there appears to be lots of them, and they're all called different things. And there's lots of wizards, which I think wizard podcasts should be banned. Just you know. <laughs> anyway, anyway, if you've liked what you heard tonight. <clears throat> Have a think about what you've done, um, and you'd like to, leave, <laughs> and you'd like to leave us a review. Then, by all means, go to iTunes, hit a like, hit a subscribe. Um, remember, don't give us a ten because that'll make us big-headed, and don't give us a one because that'll make us cry. Just give us right in the middle, just a good old five, you know, average, because we are decidedly average. <laughs> Except for Nigel, who has been... I think you're selling yourself short. I, I, mean, I always, yeah. you know, I mean, it's like the old self-detrimental kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Love me, love me. See, what you don't, what a lot of people won't know, because obviously this is a radio thing, yeah. is how, I mean, I've met you in person, yeah. so I know what the, the physical Adonis that you are. So, I mean, and you do all this radio on the I back don't of all want, tech work I as well. I, I, do you know what I mean? Sometimes I wish I was born rich instead of so fantastically good looking. Um, but I don't want people to judge me on my looks and then I become the poster boy for the podcast. Uh, I, I would rather people... It is a curse for us beautiful people, isn't I it? just, you know, sometimes <laughs> I just, like, like I sometimes, you know, there's luckily there's not a mirror in this room, otherwise all you would get would be an hour and five minutes of this. Ah, <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. There are only two things left to do. Um, probably, probably three. Recommend a shelving unit. Yeah, I'd something like you know. Other shelving units are available. Terms and conditions on request. <laughs> um, <laughs> three th- There's probably three things they could do. They're probably going to press the unsubscribe button. Um, the second thing. Well, I mean, is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Nigel? We are not. We are. We're cultists. Yes, <laughs> with a capital K, or a C, and ending it. I don't know. Doesn't matter. And the other thing, well, the other thing is to thank you for coming on because this has been absolutely fantastic. I've had a lot of fun. 
I don't know how I'm going to edit this. Just put it up and <laughs> disclaimer at the beginning it. of it. Exactly. <laughs> it was, what was that you said earlier? It's, think about what you've done. <laughs> it's like talking to my mum. <laughs> you know, it's like you'd go and have a seat in that step. <laughs> Nigel. <laughs> or my boss. Hi, <laughs> <Hi>, Sam. <laughs> Oh dear. And the other thing is to um is to say goodbye. So it is um <clears throat> it's a good it's a goodbye from Nigel, basically. Nigel say goodbye. Bye bye now. <laughs> and it's a goodbye from me. Stay safe. Roll sixes. Watch out for evil cultists and their tiles. And beware when somebody says, Could I ask my husband if he can come on your podcast? <laughs> To talk about his game because it, you're guaranteed a lot of fun. Um, but until the next time, goodbye. Go and Nigel, say goodbye one more time. Bye bye. <laughs>